We have been looking and finding Christmas treasures in Luke chapter 2. We have had two messages already, and this is the third and final message of our Christmas treasure series in Luke chapter 2. I want to read you the whole wonderful story, which is verses 1 to 17 in the second chapter of Luke. So I begin to read Luke 2, 1 through 17. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. These past two Sundays, we have been finding some wonderful treasures in the Christmas story, as told by Dr. Luke in the second chapter of his gospel. <laughs> Some of these treasures have been sort of like the credit card, which I found in my pocket. 
in a pair of trousers I haven't worn for quite some time. It was always my credit card, but I've forgotten about it because I have so many credit cards. It's just an illustration. That's one way to find treasure, to find something you have, but you have forgotten that you have. Some treasures in Luke chapter 2 are that way. There's another way to find treasures. Just go to the beach with a metal detector and have some fun finding metal objects under the sand, like jewelry. Sometimes treasures in the Bible are things that you never knew you had, you'd never found before. And we have found and we will find some of those treasures in these verses this morning. Very quickly, I want to review some of the treasures we've previously seen in this wonderful story in the first 16 verses of Luke 2. Here are some of the treasures we've discovered in verses 1 through 16. You ready? That Jesus... The bread of life was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. That Joseph and Mary hiked probably 80 miles on a strenuous, probably five-day hike to register. That that walk for them, that 80-mile walk for them was steep uphill. In fact, 1,405 feet higher than Nazareth is Bethlehem one of the few locations in Israel that is higher than Jerusalem. And up they climbed. A difficult walk. The road they walked on was full of robbers lurking and endangering all travelers. We've seen that they both must have been extremely exhausted when they got there. Still by way of review, we've seen that Mary could have been as young as 13 years old. We saw that Jesus, the ultimate servant, was born in an animal-dirtied stable. (laughs) We've also seen, thanks to the shepherd's story in this, that the most outcast can become the most favored We've seen that quiet time to think is essential before and after praying. We've seen that we're called sheep for good reasons. We wander. We endanger ourselves. We don't know what's best. And we go astray. We've seen that God is the God of surprises. There's nothing boring about God. There's nothing humdrum about his word. I was taught in seminary, if you're going to bore men, you're going to bore people with anything, don't bore them with the Bible. Bore them with Shakespeare. God is the God of surprises. The virgin, the baby, the angels, the manger, We have seen the treasure that we have it a whole lot better than the shepherds. 
They were surrounded by one angel standing before them and then the glory of God surrounding them 360 degrees. But we have it better. Those of us who believe in Christ, we have God within us. The Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Still, by way of review, when you get the good news, you owe the good news to others. God didn't give you the good news so that you would just sit on it, hide it, huddle it, go silent about it. When you get the good news, you owe the good news to others. We saw that the Savior is the point of all this. As interesting as all the other characters are in this true story, they pale to relative insignificance when compared with Savior. The Savior is the point of it all. And as we say, the Savior is the reason for the season. (laughs) We learn in the story that risk is common and not uncommon as a part of following after Jesus. I mean, think of the risk he took. He stepped across the galaxies and the planets that he had made by the word of his mouth to come to earth. That's a risk. He lived amongst us. He taught us with authority. That was a risk in light of the religious leaders. He called them whitewashed sepulchers, tombs, mausoleums. That was a risk. He was arrested and didn't defend himself. That was a risk. He went to Gethsemane and prayed that if it's possible, take this cup from me, Father. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. His humanity was fearful, anxious. That was a risk. If you and I are going to follow Jesus Christ, we must take risks. We must not play it safe. We must not hedge our bets, diversify our portfolios. If we are going to follow Jesus, we must live a life of risk. Still by way of review, we've seen that our primary debt of peace is to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've seen that goodwill in the church begets more goodwill in the church. And the first in the assembly of the Christians is where our peace with one another is to be shown. Secondarily, outside of the church, in the community, that's where peace can be shown. We said that when God says, peace on earth among men with whom he is favored, He favors, excuse me. We said it wasn't the Rotary Club with Muslims and Jews and Christians getting along over lunch. What he was talking about was the brothers and sisters in Christ, in this family, would get along with each other in peace, would pursue peace, would ask for forgiveness, would grant forgiveness, would esteem others more highly than themselves. That's the kind of peace that Jesus came to bring. Put another way, Jesus leads to justification, and the Christian's justification leads to peaceful joy among the justified. 
And that means that less than peaceful joy amongst us as the family of God grieves God's heart and feeds God's skeptics. And so, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And this Christmas peace, this charity, this long-suffering that we sometimes see in Nassau at Christmas, within the body of Christ, this peace, this goodwill, this kindness, this forbearing, this goodness should be characteristic of our church family and every church family year-round. Going on with treasures we've already seen, we've seen that slowing down to appreciate these treasures is a very wise thing to do, very hard thing to do in the season as it rolls along as a conveyor belt and a treadmill. But it's a very wise thing to do at Christmas and around the year to slow it down. I like basketball. One of the strategies is to slow it down, play half court. We would do well to slow it down. There's a little boy who was walking with his daddy. And they were walking in the neighborhood, which happened to be a forest of steep hills, the roads on steep hills. And the daddy was walking along with his young son, and they were with a dog, and they were trying to have a nice exercise walk, and the little boy was dawdling. He was falling behind, and he was looking at something. And his father said, come on, keep up, <laughs> let's go. And the boy said, look at that, and he just stared at something, look at that. So the daddy came back kind of irritated and said, what? He said, look at that. God made them a bridge. Father, look. He said, yeah, see, Daddy, the rainwater running off the hill going through the gorge beside the shoulder of the road? I said, yeah. He said, look at that. God made them a bridge. The ants that were going over the stick, over the drainage channel. I never would have seen that. That boy, that boy was my son and that father was me. I never would have seen those ants. Slow down. <laughs> well, here we are, and we're just two days before Christmas Day, and there's a lot of excitement, and rightly so. And let's see some more Christmas treasures, shall we, in the last verses of chapter 2 that at least that we're going to look at, verses 17 to 20. And when they had seen this, that is, Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger, verse 16, and when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds, of all people, the shepherds, the religious outcasts, the ones who couldn't step foot in the temple, the ones who worked incredibly long hours for incredibly poor pay. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things 
pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Uh, it says in verse 17 that the shepherds, they made known. They made known. They didn't merely let their changed lives witness for them. They did not wait. They did not hesitate. They did not ruminate, nor did they delegate. They made known. They opened their mouths, and they spoke, and they told, and they reported, and they testified, and they blabbed, and they yelled, and they blurted out. They did not second-guess their amazing experience. And their first response, mark it down, was faith. Their second response, mark it down, was worship. And their third response was evangelizing. You know, it always goes in that order. At least God wants it to go in that order. That we have faith in Christ, that we worship Christ, and then we tell others about Christ. How's that going for you? Their first response was faith. Their second response was worship. And their third response was evangelizing. These shepherds, we had a lot to learn from them, they made known the singular, the statement which was told them about this miracle child. As Marv Rosenthal said, one thing is guaranteed about the shepherds, they didn't leave saying, who's the proud father? These shepherds did not pray about it to the expense of speaking about it. They didn't lock up or put up or clam up or shut up. They didn't wait to get training. They didn't wait for the congregation to come to them. They went to the unformed congregations where they were. They did not quit their shepherding jobs. It is not God's will for you to all be pastors, men. It is not God's will for you not to be working where you are now working. You are strategically placed where you are working. Do you believe that? Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Do you believe that with your unreasonable boss and your gossiping coworkers and your low pay, that that's where God wants you to be? Yes. Man, that was better. They didn't quit their jobs as shepherds. They went right back to their job. They didn't debate the details amongst themselves. They moved ahead in one voice. And they kept it simple. And they kept it accurate. They made the reports with conviction and with confidence. They did not try to neatly explain what they had seen and heard and touched. They embraced the miraculous. They just walked up to the miraculous that they had heard and seen, and they wrapped their arms around it and said, I, we can't explain it, but I'm hanging on to it. They embraced 
the miraculous. They celebrated that what was revealed to them was their actual reality. It wasn't a virtual reality. It wasn't a video game. It was real. And they humbly told their story. They humbly told their story with wonder and with excitement and with confidence and with praise and with worship. They humbly told their story. They didn't go down to Jerusalem and ask the religious uppity-ups, can we have permission to tell our story? No, no, that's not what they did. And they didn't make it complicated, just told what happened. They did not embellish or exaggerate or twist the story in any way. And they did, certainly did not go into hiding for fearing and cocooning at what might happen to them for telling their story. And they did not consider themselves unqualified to speak up. They did not point to anyone else and say, you tell the story. They said, we'll tell the story. (laughs) They honored God. And they shared their faith in this baby. They shared their personal faith in this baby. And you know what? We need to share our personal faith in this baby. People in this country say they're Christians, but guess what? In my opinion, the majority of Bahamians are not Christians. They think they're Christians, but they're trusting the church. They're trusting christening. They're trusting baptism. They're trusting this, but not Christ alone. We need to share our faith. We need to fish for men and women. One thing I've noticed about fishing, I've done some fishing. I've never once seen a fish jump out of the water into my boat. I've had to cast a line into the water where the fish are with a worm or some other bait, a lure. That's how you catch fish. If we are not a church casting the line of the gospel into the waters of the Bahamas and the world through our missionaries... We're out of God's will. And if you're here this morning on Christmas Sunday morning, we're glad you're here. But if you're here without Jesus as your Savior, walking into this church no more made you a Christian than walking into a garage makes you a mechanic. A personal faith in Christ, recognizing personal sin, the need of a Savior, And saying, I can't save myself by being religious. But I trust Christ, and only Christ, that he died for me, and that the Father raised him from the dead, and I put all my eggs in his basket for eternity. You could be saved this morning. And so these shepherds continue to teach us a lot. They did not consider themselves unqualified to speak up. They did not point anyone else to speak up for them. And they got involved. We had a live nativity in the church I pastored in Pennsylvania. It was quite a lovely thing. We had a big property around that church building and woods and a little valley and a creek. And the neighborhood would come and see the, the Christmas story reacted with uh, 
persons in costume and live animals. It was very lovely with torches, with candle or burning torches. So it was just like what it might have been that night when Jesus was born. And I'll never forget, I'm in the, the foyer of the church and we're serving hot chocolate and cookies to those who come through the Christmas walkthrough. And this little girl, she couldn't have been more than four years old. Her name was Tezu, an African name. Her mommy brought Tezu up to me, and Tezu said to me, Pastor, this is great. How can I get involved? She's four years old. How can I get involved? I hope you're asking that question. When it comes to Boxing Day outreach or any opportunities you have to share Christ, how do I get involved? Ask the Lord every morning, how do I get involved? He'll tell you. These shepherds, they honored God, of course. They became part of the permanent scriptural record. Interesting, they couldn't set foot in the Jewish temple in their lifetimes, but God set them foot into the scriptures. And we've been reading about them ever since. In fact, I'd like to meet them in heaven. I imagine that would be interesting. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. It says they wondered. Literally, it means they marveled. That means they were astonished. Sort of like an adopted person who unexpectedly meets their birth parent for the first time. Marvel. Astonishment. Or like the patient at doctor's hospital who's being discharged from the hospital and goes to the cashier to discover that he has a zero balance with the hospital because somebody paid his medical bills. He would marvel. He would be astonished. Everybody who heard the shepherds marveled and they were astonished. Verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. It says all of them wondered. All who heard marveled. Every single one who heard the report was astonished. <laughs> that means that no one was unconvinced. It means that no one was contrary. It meant that no one was on the fence. You will be surprised, as will I, how many people you rub shoulders with that are not Christians that have been prepared by the Holy Spirit to be open to the gospel if we will tell them. You'll be surprised. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Treasured up. Literally, the word in the original language means guarded so that it was kept. Guarded so that it was kept. Maybe like lifeguarding your child at the swimming pool or the beach when the child can't swim yet. Guarded so it is kept. Maybe it's like guarding your password for your iPhone or your computer or your debit bank card guarding it so that it is kept. Mary guarded and kept precious things within her heart. And exactly what were all the things, the precious things that Mary would be guarding and keeping in her heart? 
Well, I think plenty of things. Like the angel who came to her. Her unique favor from God that God would be choosing her, an ordinary young teenager. Things like becoming with child by the Holy Spirit and not a man. Or her miracle baby being the long-awaited Messiah. Her miracle baby being the only Savior, the only Savior that God would send for sinners. Oh yes, she kept all these things, guarding them for safety in her heart. Or things like Joseph not breaking off their engagement. That was a risk. Or with God's help enduring the ordeal of travel from Nazareth up to Bethlehem. Or the shepherd's enthusiasm when they showed up in the stable. Or the report that the angel choir with the shepherds was too many to count. Or that the manger, manger was known to God and predicted by God ahead. And the question perhaps she was guarding and keeping safe in her heart was would she and Joseph have their own typical children? And if they would, would they get along with the Son of God as their half-brother? Maybe she wondered, would people mock or worship her new baby? Answer was both. Maybe she wondered, how could she and Joseph parent God? (laughs) Think about that. And maybe she guarded and kept in the privacy of her heart how and when Jesus would die. Plus, 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 plus. Mary had so much to ponder, to treasure in her heart. I think that these possibly are some of the things which Mary treasured, some of the things which probably she carefully kept within herself and which she probably carefully guarded. I don't know, but that would seem logical. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondering them in her heart. She pondered. She was pondering. Literally, the Greek word here means bringing together and comparing or weighing the facts. Bringing together and comparing or weighing the facts. So looking at this little child and seeing him and the future with him, she had plenty of things to bring together and to compare. And she had plenty of things to weigh the facts in. For instance... How Joseph treated her compared to how others had treated her. Weighing the weight of, does one believe that one is with a baby by God? And can that belief in that miracle stand up to the ugly looks and mean-spirited names that she, Joseph, and Jesus would endure? Would she in her mind have treasured and pondered the fact of Jesus' humble birthplace compared to his eventual prominence? Would she weigh between popularity 
and obedience. Would she compare that there was one angel who came to her to tell her she would be with child compared to innumerable angels who came to tell the shepherds who the child was? Would she weigh, some say, the miracle with the impossible? Would she weigh and ask herself, which carries more weight with me, what man expects or what God does? And which weighs more, my fears as Mary or God's promises to me? Would she compare the unknown journey of Nazareth up to Bethlehem with the unknown journey Bethlehem back down to Nazareth? And would she weigh in those moments in the stable, who would she most strive to please, other persons, her family, or the Lord? And what about comparing the parenting job which was ahead of her cousin Elizabeth and her husband Zacharias compared to the parenting job which was ahead for she and Joseph? Maybe she compared in those private thoughts Jesus with every other child. And which weighs more, reputation or submission? Which carries more weight, her own feelings or her faith? She had a lot of treasuring she did, a lot of pondering she did. And I'll tell you right now that treasuring and pondering is not at all typical in the body of Christ in the 21st century. We have too many devices, too many distractions. And so we rarely treasure and we even less time ponder. Not typical in the church like it used to be. But pondering and treasuring doesn't cost you anything but the time to do it. But the benefit of taking the time and effort to treasure biblical truth and to ponder biblical truth, it reaps dividends, payoffs, both for time and for eternity. And so this Christmas, two days from now, what could you treasure? What could you guard and keep for yourself? Or this Christmas, what could you ponder? What could you bring together for comparison? What facts could you weigh? There are plenty of Christmas treasures we've just seen in 17 verses of Luke chapter 2. Plenty. In closing, let me leave us with Three very curious things. Are you ready? A candy store, a whale, and a bride. What? A candy store, a whale, and a bride. The first lesson I want to take out of this, I hope that you'll take with me out of this, is learned in a candy store. You ever been in a candy store where the choices of candy are unbelievably vast? Yes, I heard an amen. And when you walk into that candy store, whether you're a child or an adult and you like candy, it's almost like you're paralyzed about making a choice of which candy to buy. There's just so many. There's so many Christmas treasures in the Bible that we can get paralyzed. Which one will I focus on or apply? The lesson of the candy store is, although there are hundreds of choices, just pick one and enjoy the candy. Just pick a 
Christmas treasure and enjoy it. The second lesson to learn is from the whale. I love to scuba dive and I love videos about scuba diving. And I saw this video, it was amazing. I saw this school of fish in a, a globe shape, tight to each other. I would estimate that they were maybe a, the globe was maybe 100 feet high and maybe 100 feet wide. It was huge. And then in this video, this scuba video, this big old whale plowed through the school of fish with its mouth wide open. It was like, I can't eat all the fish, but I'm going to get as many as I can. There's a lesson from the whale for us. You're not going to get and retain and meditate on every Christmas treasure that's in the Bible. But be like that whale. Plow through those Christmas treasures with your mouth wide open and get as many of them into your life as you can. The third lesson, the last lesson, is learn from the bride. We had a wedding here on Friday. Brides can teach us a lesson in all this because I like to say after every once, there's a lifetime of upon a times. After every once, there's a lifetime of upon a times. And I say something at the end of every wedding rehearsal, before I pray, I tell the bride, I tell the groom, I tell the groomsmen, I tell the bridesmaids to eat something before the wedding. Because there's nothing more unsavory than a bridal party member on the broadloom. Fainted. And so what I'm telling them is if they'll eat 15 minutes to eat before the ceremony, whatever they want to eat, 15 minutes to eat it, it's going to make the whole wedding ceremony and the reception a whole lot better. There is a culture, not just in the Bahamas, but there is a culture that we throw everything we've got, our money, our home improvements, our food, our cooking, our baking, everything into Christmas. Some people overextend on credit cards just for Christmas. The lesson from the bride is there's a, after every wedding, there's a marriage. After every wedding, I've noticed there's a marriage. And the money that you pour in to the wedding ceremony, if you can't afford that money, then you're even in a bigger hole when you're married. Body of Christ, my brothers and sisters, having a nice Christmas celebration is okay. But there's 364 days left in the year to live for Christ. And so, Christmas treasures, so plenteous, so wonderful. Be like the candy store, get at least one. Be like the whale, take as many as you can get. And be like the bride, remember Christmas treasures, not just one out of 365, but remember Christmas treasures 365 out of 365. Now it came about in those days 
that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about... When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and let us see the thing which has been told to us. And they came in haste and found Joseph and Mary and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen This they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God, for all that they had heard and seen just as it had been told them. A blessed and a merry Christ-centered Christmas to all of you. Beth and I love you, each one. We thank God for you. Let's stand to pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for giving us an inspired, accurate account of that marvelous, miraculous night. Help us to be shepherds, vocal, humble about what we know to be true about this baby. Bless our celebrations, whether they be big or little, simple or elaborate. May Christ be at the very center of all that we say and do and enjoy. And we pray these things In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, and Christ's church said,